Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. Awesome. So today we're going to talk about what is the difference between cheap and expensive lights. And this is purposely vague, as a lot of things are on this podcast, um, because part of it is is reaching in to see what assumptions are, you know, between Troy and I. Uh, we've got Troy Wiggins on the show, by the way. Um, also, the other day it hit me, I was just like thinking about recording these and and your company, Dubs Lighting. I was like, oh, that's W, like your last name. Um, I'm so slow. <laughs> no, I'm surprised you figured that out, actually. <laughs> I didn't want to make it Troy Wiggins Lighting, so uh, I kind of went off a nickname I always had my whole life. So that's actually not many people have figured that out, man. So uh, that's hali- That is hilarious. Okay, uh, I don't feel as bad. <laughs> oh, man. So, so yeah, I, I think this question can run the gamut. But when we say, like, when I like wrote this, what is the difference between cheap and expensive lights? Like what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Difference between cheap and expensive lights. Yeah. The two biggest things that I, that I think about immediately is one, how's it going to be used and who's going to be using it? Um, Those two questions will kind of give me a good indication of, you know, what direction we can go in because while ideally you would always want, you know, the more expensive lights with the more, uh, you know, attributes and better features, but at the same time, it's not always um, uh, necessary. So I always start, how's it going to be used and who's going to use it? Um, And kind of break it down from there. But that's where I start. Yeah. So when you're breaking it down for who's using it and how's it going to be used, like what aspects are you looking at there? Like you talking about just build quality or, or what else are you thinking about? I guess first off, I'm thinking about build quality because in regards to how it's going to be used, is it going, is, is the fixture going to arrive in the truck and go into whatever your club, your church, your bar, your venue, is it going to go up into the, the truss and is it going to stay there? Or is it going to be in a road case traveling around the country or traveling around the state? Um, because that's, that's, that's going to give you kind of your first determination of what you need as far as quality and build wise, because when it comes down to it, some lights can handle the road. Many lights can't, and even the expensive lights, you know, sometimes, you know, have trouble enduring the wear and tear of being on the road. So I would start by identifying that. And then who's using it? You know, is it, in my case, most of my gigs that I go out on, I'm bringing my lights and I'm, you know, I own them. I care for them. I, you know, I pre-prep them. I de-prep them when they're done. You know, they're not, you know, in and out of the hands of a bunch of people that might not necessarily know exactly what they're doing with them. And, you know, I feel comfortable, you know, handling my own equipment. And then if you're a rope band on the road, you know, are you going to be working with, you know, a production team? You know, every night you might have different production help that's handling your equipment and all that should be factored into, uh, you know, whether you go on the cheaper end or the more expensive end lights. Yeah, totally. And actually, it's funny you say that that brings up a story that I remember. Oh, man, this is so terrible. But, you know, it's not just if people know what to do with it, but 
do they care enough to handle your stuff well, right? Because when it's your stuff that you bought for your small company, like you're going to take way better care of it than anybody else. And that reminds me of, so a number of years ago, we were doing these gigs and somehow, I don't know how this happened, but the sales guy sold back to back. It was, they were corporate shows back to back in the same venue, these two different shows. Um, and he was not in town here. Okay, it was in a completely different city. We'll say the Northeast. I don't want to offend anybody with anything I'm about to say. <laughs> so it was in the Northeast. It was at a convention center that perhaps is well-known in the industry for having labor that's not the friendliest to work with. <laughs> um, and, and we were doing the Gideons, you know, the people that hand out Bibles, back-to-back with the FBI Alumni Association, which the day that the two events crossed over to each other and they were both in the building— Oh, this is just hilarious. Um, the FBI was not a fan of the, the Alumni Association. But anywho, um, and so, but, you know, what I saw literally when we were loading these trucks was if anything was under like 50 pounds, you know, like JBL, Eon, uh, plastic speakers in road cases or smaller light things, like there was a certain point in the night where guys started getting tired and the guys in the truck were literally throwing these. Like, not like a hard pickup and, you know, kind of a hard drop, but a literal throw. Like a literal boom, you know, and tossing it up into the truck. And, uh, you know, if you're doing that, <laughs> you better be buying the professional stuff. You shouldn't treat your lights that way, first of all. But um, with a professional grade unit, you know, they'll withstand that better. I'm sure it's still going to be in a good case, but then even when they do get damaged, because if you treat your stuff like that every day, it's going to get damaged. The repair is going to be more straightforward for somebody who's repairing stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the biggest difference, right? Is build quality. Um, but as we were talking about too, in the last episode, I was just thinking about this is like total brightness, right? Um, you know, as we were talking about with installations, like, Sometimes, as you've probably seen, uh, you know, places buy a fixture that's like super bright for for their venue, you know, like way more brightness than they need. And and so as you look at a less expensive fixture, they're often going to be less bright. Um, but if it meets your needs, then who cares? You know, buy, the, buy something that's less bright, right? <laughs> totally, I'm with you. And on the opposite side of that is, you know, there, there might be some times where, unfortunately, you might just have to go on a more expensive side. There might be a certain attribute, whether it's, you know, a, a spot that has, you know, color mixing or, you know, a, a spot that has a focus, you know, a certain zoom, you know, angle that you need. Animation wheel, you know, maybe you're installing lights or doing a show outside where you need fixtures with an IP rating. Um, multiple global, you know, there's all sorts of things. I remember we were on a gig uh, a couple months ago and... Uh, the DP of the video shoot we were doing, he needed a specific, uh, what was it? It was like a, a gobo that kind of looked like a leaves pattern, if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a specific look that, you know, I'm sure you guys maybe talked about for the video and you knew you needed a fixture that had, you know, the the flower gobo. And, um, you know, you got that. When the song came, you, you know, did the flower gobo cue and it looked great. Everybody was happy. And um, so... That that's definitely the time when you want to go look on the more you know maybe expensive side because generally with fixtures you know the more expensive the fixture the more attributes you're gonna get. 
Is that is that is that safe to assume? I guess. And, no, it totally is. Like the biggest one, especially in the spot fixtures, is the color mixing you see. Like I remember when I worked at the production company and we were repairing lights, like for the studio spot um, CMYs that we were fixing, the you know, if you just had to replace like the the fixed color wheel on one that didn't have the color mixing, I don't know what it was. You know, it was like, you know, two hundred bucks, say, for the part, right? Just for the color wheel, the glass in the wheel. For the CMY wheels, it was four pieces of glass. Okay, I'm not talking motors, belts, or anything, just the glass. Four pieces of glass, but to do color mixing in a spot type fixture when it's a CMY, it's a piece of glass that has a gradient on it, right? You know, on one side it's fully white and it gradually changes on the other side to fully cyan, magenta, or yellow. Um, and somehow there were four wheels. I never totally understood it, but they were all like half of two colors and somehow that made CMY. I don't know, but they did work well when they worked. They were old at that point. <laughs> but each piece of glass, there were four, was like, I forget, was it like a couple hundred bucks a piece? So the whole assembly was like an $800 deal if those things broke. Um, and so you're not going to see that in an $800 light, <laughs> right? Well, and it drives me crazy too because, you know, I use a lot of, you know, most of the spots that I use on my gigs, they have the color wheel and, you know, I'll build my you know, either my color looks or my color cues based off of that color wheel, not having to do a full 90 degree or, you know, I'll try to get, you know, work it out to where my colors are, you know, within two or three spots of that color wheel. So that I'm not hitting a rainbow effect every time I go from, you know, uh, pink to orange or something, you know what I mean? And that just drives me crazy. But, uh, Hey man, you got to work with what you got. Well, you notice too, the bonus for people just looking at lights is for any light you're going to buy, you can look at the order of the color wheel. And different brands and different fixtures do it differently. Um, some do the do like, you know, Roy G. Biff, where the colors are similar next to each other. Um, I'm not really as big of a fan of that usually. Like, I guess if you move a few, it's less noticeable. But when they do kind of not random, but they kind of do opposite colors next to each other, you know, then you can flip back and forth between one color and you don't have to shut the light off to do it, you know, semi cleanly. Um, but that's also why we have wash fixtures, you know, (laughs) because, you know, moving head washes with LEDs, man, you know, they've all got color mixing every one of them. (laughs) And that's, that's a big thing. You know, when it comes to cheaper, expensive, fixtures it also comes down to the type of fixture because like you kind of just mentioned you could you can get away with an led par that's you know on the lower end of the spectrum and it'll be just fine you know as long as it kind of meets the brightness and and you know the stage spread that you're trying to achieve you know that that might be a certain type of fixture that you know you might allocate less money towards versus you know if you really need uh you know a quality spot fixture or being fixture, you know, that's when you really kind of dive into the attributes and see what it is the fixture offers and what the gig or the show or the venue might need. So yeah, that's a good point you made. Absolutely. So just in your experience, kind of the, the dark side of cheaper lights. Um, so far we've been talking about, you know, lights that are made by reputable manufacturers, shall we say, you know, you know, we've got a number of manufacturers that we recommend and, you know, truth be told, that's the area of lighting where I'm like, hey, there's so many decent manufacturers out there. Like, you know, don't buy the cheap, cheap, cheap stuff, but, you know, 
the ADJ and Chauvet and Blizzard and Gamma and, you know, other names in that similar level make really good stuff these days. Um, but one thing that I've seen more and more often, um, and I'm kind of angry at Amazon for this, I should write Jeff Bezos, um, but no, is that, like, if you go on Amazon now, like, and this is late 2020 when we're recording this, um, and you look for, like, an LED par or, like, a moving light, you get all of these, like, super cheap fixtures. And it's, you don't want those. <laughs> Have you, like, in your experience in your touring and stuff, run into fixtures like that at venues? I have, and it's, it, you have to be really careful, especially if, you know, you're on a tour with a band that has a large audience paying money to see the band. Uh, I had a gig at a venue. Uh, I had I had some of my fixtures used as kind of a ground package, but I lost, somehow I lost DMX signal on my universe that the venue's lights were running through, and it just blacked out everything for the artist encore for his biggest single at a sold out show. Mm. And, mm. you know, it's one of those things where everything on my end was working. Well, yeah, your stuff was fine. <laughs> and you were, you were, but, you know, yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, you were hired to operate those lights and it was my fault. You know, I took responsibilities. Like, listen guys, like um, everything on my end was working properly as it should. I double, triple checked before the show. I double, triple checked after to make sure that was the case. And, you know, but at the end of the day, it's you're there for, you're hired there to, to run the lights. And when the lights go off, that's on you. And um, it can be tough. It can definitely be tough because whether it's, you know, power shortages or, you know, DMX losing signal or, you know, there's a variety of things that could go wrong, man. So it's kind of, it can be kind of nerve wracking when you go into a venue and you see, like you said, some of these, uh, Amazon, Amazon LEDs, what just call them? <laughs> yeah, it didn't used to be Amazon, but now it's Amazon, man. It's it's oh, terrible. It's but yeah, I mean, I've seen like over the, the last, you know, 10 years, or I mean, not less than that really is, is how long we've seen the cheap stuff, right? I mean, because 10, 12 years ago was when, you know, I was first working for a production company and we had Comar Par Lights. I don't know if you've used those. Um, they were one of the big, like original, like decent LED fixtures. Right. So it was like 36 one watt LEDs, you know, red, green and blue. You'd see the difference individually. But it was mm. like the first like night, like it was one of the first There were the color kinetics, the color blast and stuff. And there were the Comars and they were two of the like really popular early LED pars that were out there. Um, and but I digress. Um, but a few years later, you started seeing the cheap stuff coming in. You know, I don't know where people bought, used to buy them, but now they buy them on Amazon. And, you know, I'm seeing with these things, gosh. You know, six months after people buy them, sometimes they'll a whole batch of them will all lose like the same color or half of the same color, you know, or if it's a moving light, you know, the gobo wheel stops working in most of them or the power supply stop working. Um, not only as you just mentioned, because I wasn't thinking of this, like some of these units, the like the DMX plugs, when you plug in DMX to them. If you wiggle that jack even a little, it cuts in and out like math, right? And that's not going to happen on something from one of these brands that we talk about um, that are not expensive, right? I mean, sure, you know, an ADJ or a Gamma or a Blizzard or whoever fixture might cost three times the Amazon special. But I would argue you're going to get more than three times the life out of it. Absolutely. And also a thing to consider is, are you going to know how to repair that light when you have an issue with it? 
You know what I mean? I, I would, you know, safe to assume probably most people in venues aren't ready to fix a fixture. You know what I mean? So are you going to spend more money and time in the long run of fixing these? Or are you going to spend a little extra in the front end to make sure you get some quality that's going to last that you're not going to have to be going up and getting down, opening up, trying to fix and um, spending all your time and money in other places. So, yeah, that's totally true. Like I get people sometimes that are like, Oh yeah, we just opened up the power supply and replaced the capacitors. You know, we just solder some new ones on. And I'm like at the place where I like barely feel competent that I might consider doing that. Um, but it took a long time to get there and I'm, I'm like, no. And those things like, if you, if you do it wrong and you touch the two things together, like they can blow up in your face. Um, and so like for real, you know, and uh, fire and acid and all that. So you really don't want to do that unless you know what you're doing. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, avoid the Amazon specials, <laughs> avoid those specials. But, uh, but at the end of the day, like, if you're handling this stuff yourself or it's permanently installed, um, you know, it's worth looking at something cheaper. Uh, what's another thing I was thinking about? Oh, fan noise. Fan noise is a good one to watch out for too, right? Um, especially the Amazon specials. Once again, they're super loud. <laughs> like there was one a while back. I don't know if you saw it. It was the Lixada little moving wash lights. Tons of people buy these things. Mm -hmm. And they sent me one. They reached out on YouTube, you know, and they sent me one. And I was like, hey, I'll give an honest review. And in a second video, I followed it up and I replaced the fans and cut down the sound drastically, you know, out of that thing. Um, and so that is doable too. You know, that's less invasive. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when you look at, you tear stuff down, like, like I've taught, torn down some of these cheap moving lights and then I've torn down, I mean, I, well, I've been in a lot of lights, you know both like the high-end systems and Martin stuff, you know, the real professional stuff, you know, the Gamma or Chave level stuff. And even the difference between the Amazon special and the DJ level lights from the major brands is like night and day difference. <laughs> the build quality that's in there. I mean, it's just the ease, the ability, the ease one of just the design of taking it apart and simple things like, you know, when you're designing a light and I'm not a product manager, but you know, Maybe it could be. I don't want to be. But, but you know, when you, you take a all, when you take a fan and you shove it through a really tight space with a lot of stuff, it's loud. When it has adequate room for that air to move, it's quieter. And you're going to see that difference big time <laughs> in the brands versus the not, you know. Well, and that's something I never really took into consideration when first buying lights because – there have been a couple shows I've been on, whether it be music video or kind of a live tape performance where the, the fan became an issue when you're in the studio and, you know, you have a, your moving wash light is right by an upright bass microphone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something or, really or sensitive. Yeah. Lights. It's going to get picked up. And uh, that's, that's one of those small things I'm glad you bring up that I at first didn't even consider, but, you know, looking back at that, that, that gig I was on, I, I wish I had, gone with some fixtures that maybe were a little more on the expensive end, but would have had a quieter fan would have bled so much on the microphones. Um, but, uh, yeah, all that, all that's good stuff. And, you know, the, when I first kind of got into lighting, there's a company here in town that, um, were vendors for some of the first fixtures I bought. And, 
you know, he said, listen, you're, you're better off spending a little extra. You're not only going to get more out of him in the long run, but I think as you mentioned in the podcast episode prior that, you know, if, if you were to try to resell those a couple years down the road, you're going to get more value from them as well. So it's something to consider as well, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what was I just thinking of? I don't know. <laughs> oh, renting. Yeah, renting versus buying. That's a whole other aspect to this, right? Totally. Like, if you, if you only need something occasionally and you have the ability to rent it in your area locally, because obviously we're, I know we're in Nashville and so we're the exception to the rule, right? There is, are so many rental houses in our neighborhood. Um, and if you're in middle of the nowhere, North Dakota, that might be different, right? But if you're reasonably close or have production companies in your area where you can rent stuff from, if you only use something occasionally, you may want to look at the cost of renting. Um, because you don't have that upkeep. I mean, you you rent lights to people. Um, and so, yeah, you don't have that upkeep. And also, like, say it would take you four years of rental or five years of renting, you know, a couple times a year to purchase said light. Um, in five years, you know, even in three years, what you're renting from the production company is going to be a nicer unit now, <laughs> right? Because they'll upgrade um, for the most part or else it'll get cheaper than one of the two, right? <laughs> And uh, and that's another way, too, that, you know, I would rather have you, rather than cheaping out, if something's not something you're using all the time, then find a way to rent it, you know? Yeah, that's a good point, man. Technology is moving fast right now with these lights. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, you know, uh, it, it's – you could have, you know, the biggest and best fixture this year, but a couple years from now, there's going to be something else and, you know, the – bigger productions are going to want that newer fixture pretty much based on that. So no, that's, that's a good point too, man. Technology is moving fast and um, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to keep up if you're owning and continuing to buy your own fixtures. And um, I guess I would say too, on the, just to play devil's advocate, there is some, you know, the fixtures I bought, I wanted to make sure that I was able to kind of try to make some money while they're sitting in my trailer. You know what I mean? So I did find ways to kind of rent those out to local businesses and, um, you know, whether it's a dance show or, you know, uh, maybe a local venue that does productions once or twice a week, there are some, there, there are some benefits to owning your gear and, you know, maybe making a little money renting them often too. But then again, all goes back to, you know, the wear and tear you're going to deal with. And it's just, um, I guess something you have to decide for, for yourself on that. But I, I say I've gotten good use at trying to at least rent out my gear as best as possible and renting it to people that, you trust, I guess, is a big is a big thing too. Yeah. Yeah, that's always when I worked at the production company, sometimes, you know, you had to go ahead and, you know, basically say no to people or or their price was higher, right? <laughs> For that customer. Uh, because of the way they return things. Totally. And that's just that's just the reality of it. Awesome, Troy. Well, I think that about wraps it up, man. Um you know, the, the official position of learn stage lighting, I guess you could say, is don't buy the cheapest stuff, but take a good look at those cheaper options. Um, it, it's not to say that you need to buy the most expensive thing or the thing that the professionals in your area are using, um, because ultimately you might spend a lot more than you should and not get a lot more function in your scenario. 
I'm with you. I'm with you. How, how's it going to be used and who's using it? Let's, let's, let's figure that out. And, and then from there, let's, let's do a little research. And I think that that should put most people in the right place. Yeah. I like that. I like that punchline. Yeah. I like that, that title. How's it going to be used and who's using it? <laughs> oh, you could have it. How much do we trust them? <laughs> How much do we, yeah, we, we could add, we could add some more to that, I think too, but, uh, yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Good deal, man. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being on today's show. It's uh, been great having you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, David. Yep. See ya.